Welcome to this special Texas Sports Nation podcast. I don't know if I'd call it an emergency podcast, but we're going to call it a post-first round of the draft reaction podcast. I'm Greg Rogen of the Houston Chronicle. I'm here with Texans beat writer Brooks Cabina following the uh, first round of the NFL draft, which took about three hours and 40 minutes, roughly, according to my count. It seemed a lot longer than that, but Brooks, how are you tonight? I know it's been a long night over at NRG Stadium. Oh man, I'm wired. I, um, you know, I've got a all this caffeine in my body, I prepped, so we're good. I, I actually just came back from Nick Casario's uh, press conference, so we're up here in the press box. Uh, the lights are out here um, on the on the uh, field, so but there'll be a couple other players that are going to come in and maybe maybe bring this team to a spot where they're not picking number three next year. So um, we'll we'll see. Those two players are. Cornerback Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU taken third overall. And offensive guard Kenyon Green of Texas A&M. He was drafted at 15th after the Texans traded down from 13 with Philadelphia. Do either of these picks really surprise you? The Derek Stingley one did for me. Um, At number three overall, that's the highest the Texans have ever picked a cornerback in their franchise history. And it hasn't happened all uh, all that much in the NFL at all either. So there've only been uh, four others that have been picked that high. And when you consider that against what he'll be fairly or unfairly graded against is his draft slot. And uh, I mean, the Texans have so many needs across the board, um, but the the draft went pretty expected for the first two picks, you know, the Jags going Trayvon Walker and then uh, the Lions uh, picking Aiden Hutchinson. And at that point, there really wasn't a consensus across the league. At least it didn't appear so with Kayvon Thibodeau or any others. Uh, Casario had his pick of the best offensive lineman available. And that was a position that, you know, the Texans really needed help on too. And they eventually addressed that with Kenyon Green. But um, it says a lot that uh, they about what they feel about Derek Stingley and also uh, the position and how much value there was for it. Um, you know, Obviously, watching last year, there was lots of miscommunication in the backfield. They had the least amount of depth at that position going into the offseason. I, I still remember, like coming out of this, they had after they cut Terrence Mitchell, uh, uh, you know, in the offseason, they were left with Desmond King, who moved to the outside for the first time last year, and Lonnie Johnson, who's moved back and forth from safety and corner for the last three seasons and with inconsistent play there. So they they definitely needed to address that position, and they signed Stephen Nelson, a seven year veteran. Um, but you know, Lovey Smith, he foreshadowed the pick a couple of weeks ago and said they couldn't play the type of football they needed, um, until they got that position fixed. And, um, I mean, they went for Stingley and I covered him for, um, two seasons at LSU whenever I was at the advocate down there in Baton Rouge. And he was an elite player, a phenom as a freshman. I mean, if he could, and he came in there, Greg, I mean, he, he practiced with the team as an early enrollee in their Fiesta Bowl as like pretty much a 17 year old, which I, which a lot of people at the time thought Derek Stingley was the youngest player to ever practice with the Tigers in college in their college history. I mean, I think if a player was ready for the NFL coming out of high school, it was probably him. But the two years after that, I mean, he dealt with some injuries. And then last year I had the Liz Frank uh, injury that ended his season. He quelled some of the questions around it by performing well at his pro day. Um, the other part of this too, is that, so Lovey Smith's defenses are, uh, you know, pretty zone heavy. Uh, they play a lot of cover too, uh, but 
I think it's interesting taking that pick because you have Lovey Smith and there's, I mean, he, he's, he's newly promoted. He's their defensive coordinator, third coach in three years. You're picking for the long term here. And I mean, Lovey Smith is the coach for now, but this is a player who's, you know, going to be uh, under contract for up to five years. So, I mean, in a way, just by the way, head coaches, the Texans have been going through head coaches recently, you kind of have to make that pick knowing that um, they're going to have to transcend that for a, a bit of time. So uh, he he seems to be the kind of player who can perform well. Um, uh, I, I mean, he was he he definitely is. Uh, I, I think it's interesting too that they valued him over Sauce Gardner, who a lot of people thought was the top cornerback in the draft. But um, I'd say that was probably the most surprising. Um, and uh, that you know after that they don't they didn't get Ike Aquanu or Evan Neal or Charles Cross and then that run of wide receivers, which I think was the most shocking thing. Uh, you know, the Saints trading up and the Lions trading up both in front of the Texans. And I think that I think that altered a little bit what they did at number 13. And they traded back to 15. Uh there were all most of the premier tackles were gone and um the wide receivers too. Uh, so I think at that point, Casario uh, just thought about stockpiling some picks, moving back, and we just got done talking to him about that trade. Um, and they even had a chance to trade back from 15 to 20 and there in other spots at that. Um, but he said that they want, didn't want to get too cute, and they had uh, a slot on their board where they had a lot of good players that weren't going to be available if they traded back, and they felt more comfortable just going with Kenyon Green, which I think also was kind of surprising to see him taking that high. Um, because uh, clearly it's the Texans that value him there. Um, but I don't know if um, there really wasn't any other mocks that had him that high. And, uh, I mean, he, he's a versatile player, but uh, Casario says he sees him more at guard. So um, now they've addressed two really key positions there. And, um, you know, I asked Casario about whether that solves what they want to do with Titus Howard, who played left guard last year, could play tackle. Um, but, uh he still kept that tight to the vest, says that they're still looking to field the best five. But I think he, he says he says that he views Kenyon Green more as a guard. So plug him at guard, move Howard out to right tackle, and you get Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. That's a pretty good-looking offensive line so far, and the draft's not over. I mean, they got 11 more picks, which is wild. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing along the lines of Titus Howard, that this would seem to solidify a spot for him at right tackle if you're going to invest in a Kenyon Green. Going back to Stingley, what made you, what do you think made um, them tip the scales towards Stingley over Sauce Gardner? I think I mean they they fell in love with them through the pre-draft process. Uh, and Nick Casario said that there was a consensus across the organization that they met with him and liked him. Um, I think you look at what Sauce Gardner did. I think his scheme and the way he played at Cincinnati is a very good man coverage corner. Stingley is a an all around corner just from having watched him. Um, he can play really well in space. He's fast. He's got good skills to react um, instinctively. And that's what's going to immediately help him in Lovey Smith's defense because that's exactly what he asks of his defenders to do. And I think his range also as a special teams player, he was a punt returner, kick returner for the uh, Tigers too. And maybe that fits into it as well, an all-around player. One of the things that Casario said also is just the way that he – uh, was crafted against other top players. I mean, LSU, all the time I remembered, Ed Ogeron was the head coach at the time, uh, said the best matchups he ever saw was Derek Stingley playing up against Jamar Chase, now with the Bengals, a top five pick last year. 
just performing against each other in practice. And that was the biggest battle he'd ever seen. It was happening every day. Um, and Casario pointed that out in the kind of competition he was playing against in the SEC. I mean, he was locking down people all that 2019 season uh, throughout the championship against some of the top receivers that are in the NFL right now. Um, so that, I think, tipped the scale a little bit, too, when Gardner, playing in Cincinnati, performed well, but obviously not against high, as high competition and definitely not within his own building when, it, when you think of a guy like Jamar Chase. How surprising is it that the Texans passed on Kyle Hamilton when he was there for the taking at 13? Pretty surprising. Um, but now, but also seeing Hamilton fall as far as he did, that's one of the big, that's going to be one of the questions for me is I, I, Kyle Hamilton. He seemed to be graded within the top 10 with so many people. And um, I mean, just his versatility. I mean, the speed, the numbers he was putting up in the forties and the other gradings throughout the combine process and the pro day process that seems to have hurt him a bit. Uh, but uh, you know, I think one of the things too I thought about is the Texans had never taken a safety in the first round in their existence, and I don't have the numbers in front of me for other franchises, but I think safety is one of those that just maybe isn't graded that highly, especially when you have that many questions surrounding him. Um, and I think they feel pretty good about where they are with uh, their draft positioning now. I mean, there are other safeties. I think of Jalen Petrie, who has some good. Um, qualities to him in, in, a, in a defense like Dave Aranda's, who was, funny enough, uh, Derek Stingley's defensive coordinator at LSU. Um, Petrie was a rangy guy. He's still available in the second. So I think they can address that position elsewhere. Uh, but what you knew that they weren't going to is address offensive line in the way they would with Kenyon Green. And they would have had to tr- trade back into the first round in order to do that with some of the other guys that were left. So, I mean... I'm surprised that Hamilton dropped so far. I'm not so surprised that the Texans are, are the ones that let him go by. Interesting. Is taking a guard at 15 a reach? Not when you look at what the Texans have to fix. Um, and especially, I mean, I think the one player you mentioned, Kyle Hamilton, I, the one that I thought that they would go for is Jermaine Johnson. Uh, that's the big one that surprised me because, uh, I mean, going back to NFL league meetings, we were talking uh, to Lovey Smith and he was saying that him and Casario shared a perspective that you build on the offense and defensive lines. Well, they came away from this draft without addressing the defensive line in the first round. And Jermaine Johnson was just a, a mauler at the senior bowl, had a great career with Florida State, uh, and he was still available there for, to to help bolster their pass rush. But if you were going to pick between the defensive line and the offensive line, what was the best thing that they could have done there? Um, and they had the worst run game in the franchise history last year uh, and the worst game, run game in the NFL last year, and they needed to fix that. I mean, Trevor Penning was still available, this you know large offensive tackle. The Saints eventually picked him out of Northern Iowa. But, I mean, I think what this tells us is that they valued the offensive line and that Laramie Tunsil's under contract, and then they have a choice to put Titus Howard out at tackle, and then by putting Kenyon Green at guard, you've solidified that offensive line in a pretty nice way. And I think that's, uh, I think that's valuable uh, when you consider 15 slots fixing that. Um, I, I do think that Casario also weighed, and the Texans weighed, who they would also draft later on because there was that conversation. They were saying they're trading back from 15 to as far as 20, at least is what he said. And they didn't want to get too cute with it, is what he said. So uh, the the gap between 15 and 20, 
and and further on, uh, they're they didn't have as high as graded players in that range. So um, I, that's how they felt about that. And I think uh, I, uh, personally, I think you solve a lot of questions by by getting him. I think the one that I would have been interested to see is why Jermaine Johnson wasn't on there. But I think you can see that you know it's a major need for the Texans to to pick up an offensive lineman and address those problems. We look at uh, Friday's uh, draft, the second and third round. As of now, the Texans have one second rounder, two third rounders. Yeah. They also have three fourth rounders and three fifth rounders. Do you expect them to use all 11 of these picks remaining, or are they going to be used as some kind of currency to move up, whether it's tomorrow or Saturday? I have a hard time believing that they'll spend all 11 picks. I mean, I think they – I mean, this draft – I just, I just, they've, they've got to address running back still. They could still add another offensive lineman. I think they still got to get to defensive line. Still got to get to all these things. I mean, you know, they could go safety too. Um, I mean, we've done the percentages in some of our stories here um, with the Houston Chronicle.com. You, can, you guys can go check them out. The percentages for landing a starter or, or a significantly talented player in the deeper rounds is pretty small in Casario's history. He didn't, he uses sixth and seventh round picks to trade up and acquire more picks or other players in later on. So I, I, I just don't think that they're going to spend a whole 11. I, I really don't. And, you know, I think he'll be very active um, in tomorrow and, and in the final day. Uh, I think, you know, when, when you look at all the positions that they f- need to fill, um, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll just be using those to better position themselves. It could happen, um, you know, before the day even, begins i think i mean remember a couple of days ago um they they, they traded a sixth and a seventh to get a fifth um it could be even in, early in the morning before the you know the draft begins that i wouldn't be surprised to see them positioning themselves before the pick even arrives so no i don't i don't i don't think they'll end up using all 11 i think i think uh, on a player that is I, I do think um you know they're they're going to try and better their odds by by positioning themselves for better players Maybe the biggest news out of the AFC South tonight, not including the draft, was the Titans trading receiver A.J. Brown to the Eagles for a first-round pick and I think another mid-round pick. How surprising was that move to you? Because they kept insisting they weren't trading him. That was what John Robinson and Mike Vrabel had been saying in the previous weeks leading up to this. What's interesting about that is that they eventually you know, used the pick that they got to get Traylon Burks from Arkansas. So... I mean, you, you lose a wide receiver that was ended up getting another contract. Maybe that spells a little bit of what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, they're 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 trying to keep together a AFC South contender, and that means keeping together reasonable salary caps. And you get another rookie who can be under contract for up to five years. So, in some ways, that's one of the ways they can do that. And then they pick up another pick in addition to that. So, um, overall, um, you look at what Bergs can do in, in, in there with uh, the rest of their offense. But uh, we'll see if he can replace as much of what A.J. Brown was to them last year. I don't think the Texans will miss him since A.J. Brown's terrorized them since he came into the league. So it'll be a, a net win for Houston, regardless of what Traylon Burks does. All right, Brooks Cabina, thank you for your time. Uh, appreciate you staying up late to do this podcast. For more Texans coverage, uh, go to HoustonChronicle.com slash Texans. Thanks for listening to the Texas Sports Nation podcast. 